Welcome to Professor Forever. I am the Professor Forever. Before we get started, I just want to remind you this is a listener-supported podcast, which means there are no miserable ads to bother you, but there are still some production fees. So if you like my stories, like my voice, like my insights, or anything else that you can think of that you like about this show and you want to support my art there is a button you can tap that says support the show on the platform that you are using to listen to the podcast. If you want to throw a buck or two into the tip jar, it is greatly appreciated. Today, I want to talk about hellos and goodbyes. But I just thought of something. I think that I'm going to explain to you how I came up with the chronology and the meat of this podcast. Sometimes I have an idea and I think, how am I going to fill this all up with interesting content? Well, I think you've heard me talk about connections before, right? And I actually have a podcast about how to make connections for texts or essays or speeches, or even conversations, if you would like to prepare for a conversation and come up with some interesting uh, juxtaposition of thought. So I got this idea that I used in my classroom, probably since 2011, from a woman named Ann Bertoff. So she does this thing called the triple blank entry page. So she has writers in the first stages of writing write down ideas and how that relates, how they see that relating to the text that they're uh, studying and to themselves. So I take this a little further. What I have done is try to take Ann Bertoff's original model of connecting ideas and turn it into more of an exercise of induction and deduction. And through this critical analysis process, you oftentimes can come up with some really interesting connections to your original thought that you might have needed to add to your thought, to come up with a whole project, or just an interesting turn in your project that you had not thought of before. How do you do this? Okay, so I found the instruction sheet when I was deciding to do this today. 
Using the critical thinking techniques of grouping, thorough analysis, and relatedness can help a writer generate many productive ideas and potential questions of interest from a single thought. Noting connections that come up as one reads can also help broaden the meaning and value of a text, eliciting empathy and an understanding that stretches beyond language. Okay, so in this class, and this is, I'm talking about the class that I was talking to in this prompt, uh, I tell them to find five passages from different texts that have meaning for them. So by the time I gave this assignment, we would have covered at least five texts. And we define text as something that is anything that communicates. So it could be a sign, it could be a painting, it could be a picture, it could be a novel, it could be a poem, it could be a line, it could be a fragment of prose. So I wanted them to choose five passages from these different contexts and then write down what they how they connected to it, why they found these things meaningful. Okay, so then, and here, what I did was write down things that I've been thinking of lately. I wanted to talk about goodbye. What else have I been thinking about lately? And does the idea of goodbye relate to any of these other things that have been bouncing around in my brain? So I wrote down five of them. So then the next instruction says that you make 20 connections through the method discussed in class. Okay, great. So it didn't really tell me how to tell you, but I'm going to explain to you. So I write down on a piece of paper one through five, and I list those five ideas that are bouncing around in my head. That also includes the main idea that I wanted to get across today, which was goodbye. Then I write down in another column what these things mean to me. What do I first think of when I hear the word goodbye? What's my first thought? Kind of a Freudian first thought thing. I write those down. Then what I do is I connect, oh, and I number those meaningful descriptions, A, B, C, D, and E. So now I have one, two, three, four, five, A, B, C, D, and E, with one going with A, so that idea going with the description of meaning, one with A, two, that idea with B, the description of what it means to me, and so on through five. After I do that, I take another big long sheet of paper or a couple sheets of paper, and I start connecting the ideas with other meanings. So I list one, whatever that idea was, and I already have it connected to the meaning description beside A. So now I take one and I see if there is a connection with B, C, D, or E. I put them together and you would not believe, unless you have done this, how you can come up with a meaningful connection between an idea and a meaning description, how something is meaningful to you with another idea. It just clicks in your mind and you can see how these other things relate. So I do that for the five ideas. 
1 B C D E 2 A C D E 3 A B D E 4 A B C E and 5 A B C D Some of them won't make a lot of sense but I still write down a way that I connect them if I possibly can Then what I do with those 20 deductions is I go through and I see how some of these new interpretations relate to each other. And again, a person would be surprised to find that these things can actually work together as a cohesive unit. You can find usually a couple, like two or three, that really resonate together and resonate back on the idea that you originally had. So what I'm doing is inducing induction, all of this creative brainstorming with these ideas, and then I'm deducing a new thesis statement or idea out of the new relations that I find. I have seen people turn in this homework in my class who have gone from not knowing where they're going to go in an essay to using the connection sheet to pretty much flesh out their entire paper. So it's an interesting creative writing exercise. I highly recommend that all of you try it in some way. Just think of five, even if you don't have something that you're going for, right? Like these talk about goodbye. Just put five random ideas that are jumping around in your head on a piece of paper, number one through five. Get your meaningful descriptions according to each one, then do the 20 expansion meaningful definitions, try to then hone them back down into new relations. And you can even, the people who did come up with entire papers out of this, come up with one thesis statement that gels together those new related ideas. It's fun. I hope you will try it and see if it works for you. I was having a little bit of trouble today with this topic, and so I did it for today. So I just thought I would share that with you in the hopes that you might try some creative thinking and analysis project when you get a chance. Okay. Goodbye. So... The idea of goodbye is a continuous process. This was not something that I knew when I was younger. And actually, if I had known it in my 30s, it probably would have elicited out of me even more dark poetry. You know, when I was a performance poet and I was uh, going around and doing the junkets Uh, primarily in Chicago, people called me the death poet. I did have many poems that I would perform about death. But I did take some comedic angles uh, towards death, which I think is healthy. But had I thought then, oh my goodness, goodbye is happening all around me all the time, I think the state of mind that I was in at that time of my life 
and that time of art, I probably would have exploded in dark poetry. Um, it's omnipresent goodbyes, right? But it made me wonder, is hello the same? So I don't think so. They might be kind of equal at a certain point in your life, the goodbyes and the hellos. But as you get older, I think the hellos start to slow down a little bit. Now, this can be construed as a negative thing, but it can also be construed as something that is constructive in its own way. I have many friends. I am so lucky. Have I said that enough on this podcast? Are you lucky? I'm sure many of you are. And even if you're not as lucky as you think you are, sit down sometime and rattle off the ways that you're lucky. And I think you might surprise yourself. You probably are luckier than you think. I know in terms of the friendship game, I am so lucky. Part of my wonderful trove, treasure trove of friends comes from a long time ago. I have been able to hold on to friends for decades. Now, I know that this is not something that everyone strives to do. And there are some negative consequences to doing that too, which I'll get into. But for me, the friends that I have been able to keep over the decades have really turned out to be um, stalwart support systems for me. And there are those that I have reconnected with that also have turned out to be that. And that's not to say that I don't have newer friends that are just as important a support system for me. But I really think I was saying hello a lot in my life. I was a person who opened up doors to many people. And in a way, that can be a problem, right, if you're really gullible. But if you can learn the signs as to when somebody is being a false friend, that will help you. You could still open up the door knowing that you can shut the door at any time. So, but nowadays in my 60s, I and I in retirement, I'm not meeting up with as many people. I'm not running in to as many people now that my workaday life is over. And so the hellos seem to be decreasing a little bit and a little bit more. But I just realized that it's okay to have more goodbye than hello. Now, if you're not in this stage of your life, you want to be thinking about hellos, right? You want to be building up that stock of hellos so that you can find those good friends and that good support system that you might have for decades and decades. But I also want those who are a little older to realize it's not so horrible all the time to have more goodbye than you do hello. Goodbye 
can give us a great lesson on reality. And that is the cycle of life and death. And in my opinion, we need practice coming to grips with goodbye. You know, lately I've been obsessed with a webcam, a streaming live stream on YouTube of eagles in Big Bear. It is fascinating to watch these eagles, a couple, in their nest with eggs, a clutch, that's what they call them, and what they are going through as a couple and as these eggs are moving more and more past the likelihood of hatching. People have to get away from the channel, they say, because they don't want to see these little eggs and the eaglets that they imagine coming out of these eggs to not turn into the eaglets that they imagined. And I understand that. But I also understand it's good for us as humans to deal with grief in a more practical way. The eagles certainly do. And so I, if you have more goodbyes, I've been saying that hellos for me are decreasing a little bit, but you know what? More goodbyes actually makes more room for new hellos. So, hey, there's a bumper sticker for you. Goodbye means more room for hello. So I try to repeat this to myself. When I was a kid, most of you know already that I had some sadness occur to me as a child, but I was not as sad. After the suicide of my father, I think I was paralyzed, but I was not as sad as I have become in later years in my life. I wonder if that was a defense mechanism. Or was it that as a kid, I had more endurance for grief? I don't know the answer, but I think about this. Do you know the answer, friend? If you do, please let me know, because I'd love to hear what your opinion is about sadness as a child versus sadness as an adult. I One reason I don't think I was as sad, I can point out one reason. I didn't believe my father was really gone. So I always thought that he existed out there somewhere. And even if he didn't come back to me, it was not as sad as him not being anywhere, not in anywhere in existence. So that brought me some comfort. Story, which is something that I really use, it's a an MO of my life, story. When I talk, I like to incorporate story 
when I'm reliving memories, I turn them into stories. I write poems. I write short fiction. I write essays. I, story is very important to me. And one of the reasons that story is so important for me is because it gives me relief from reality. So when I feel like I'm having too much goodbye and I'm a little too sad, I remember that I can always go to story. In story, I never have to say goodbye. Not if I don't want to. The story can be what I want. What I want it to be. It can be what I need it to be. So if I'm feeling down and I don't want to face the goodbye that I have on my docket, something that's coming that I cannot prevent, something that has come that is very difficult for me to deal with, I can always go to story. I can always go to poem. You know, I had a friend that I wrote a poem for one time, and I really like this poem. And a lot of people who used to come to my show, Yammer, used to tell me that they really like this poem, too. I'm going to read it to you. On the porch swing, I imagined us. To us, the future was a statue filled with statues as stubborn as old earth to leaving. We'd hang tough through others' poor choices, accidents, divorces. I am on your cluttered porch and swing back and up, back and up. So many times the act becomes a photograph. And in it we're complaining or singing. We're sure as black, stuck as a calendar. Today. We don't turn to each other across the vega or frantic for help or for good like our youth foretold. We're just this clenched fossil, worn edges, proud bone backed off, no more teeth to bite, nor jaw, nor line to tense, nor a laughing eye to draw you in. On this porch swing, I imagine us. When I recite our story, I repeat myself. But no one else knows. So, boy, I haven't heard that poem in a long time. It really strikes at my heart. I have been a very sad person. And... I have been working on that because I am also a very happy person. I'm just a very emotional person. I feel sadness to a great degree, and I feel joy to a great degree. So there have been times when I focused only on the sadness. And even working on it, sometimes that sadness will just jump out, pounce on you, unexpected. That's what just happened to me now. The friend that I wrote that poem for is no longer in my life. And it has been very difficult for me to think about. 
it has been very difficult for me to say goodbye. And I finally have. And so, I would add these lines to that poem now. Goodbye, you. Yes, you. Sometimes I think I will miss you forever. But then I remember I've missed us for a long, long time. That's why I wanted to capture you in a poem. I need to leave now. I need to say goodbye. This place of us that has held me captive and hurting needs to be put in its place. But I need never say goodbye in our story. And I tell stories forever. What are your insights about goodbyes and hellos? Do you too see both of these actions as continuums? Do you see them as actions that are related to each other or not related to each other? Can you see the negative sides and positive sides of both goodbye and hello? Do you, like me, also believe that more goodbyes means more room for hellos. Are you working on this too? Please let me know your thoughts on the Facebook page, The Professor Forever, or Extra Credit with The Professor Forever, or you can always email me with your questions and insights at theprofessorforever1 at gmail.com. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Keep thinking. She's got no lessons planned for me Because she's not that fancy She's a professor forever Professor forever Professor forever